Hello and welcome to the Conscious Diva podcast. I'm Tatiana Wright. Joining me today is Cynthia Skiberis, the founding editor-in-chief of Yoke. Yoke is an independent print magazine exploring creativity and consciousness with the aim of igniting social and ecological change. Yoke is driven by the mission to expand new conscious conversations in the world to bring us closer together and ultimately create social good and change. Welcome, Cynthia. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be in conversation with you on the other side of the world. It is, it is. And you are in Sydney, Australia, and I, of course, am in New York. <laughs> you know that I'm a, a fan of your magazine. I specifically love how seamlessly Yoke blends art, culture, and ancient yogic philosophy and wisdom. Um, and it's not like your traditional yoga magazine, like, say, for example, a yoga journal type magazine that most people are familiar with. So I'd love for you to just start about start by explaining how did yoga come about and this idea of blending art, culture and yoga? You know, I was sick and tired of bumping into people in the streets, face down in the screens of their phones. And I wondered, why are we turning to the screens of our phones more than we are to the faces of humans, you know? So that was one thing. Um, and because I was totally disillusioned with the state of the world and particularly the yoga world in the West, where I had been studying it for a while, but it had moved so far away here in Sydney anyway from what I experienced um, from the true meaning of yoga as a spiritual path. So really, I just wanted to wave the flag of consciousness in a creative way and put something out in the world that was tangible and beautiful and nourishing with ancient wisdom, you know, mainly yogic wisdom. And also, I'm a bit of a mag hag. I love print. I love anything print, you know. I love beautiful paper and typography and clever illustration. And at the time, in 2013, um, when Yoke first was being created, you know, the mainstream media print um, was struggling. Mm -hmm. And only, only magazines surviving really were the glossy magazines with women on the front cover, you know, that were totally photoshopped and it was full of advertising. Yeah. So um, indie print outside of Australia was making a resurgence. And so, which, you know, I found really exciting. Well, we'll talk about that for a sec, because that's something that um, you're really proud of, right? As an independent magazine, you do not accept advertising. You're a reader supported publication. So how does that work? Explain this model a little bit more. I was so naive when I went into publishing. I mean, it sounds all glamorous. <laughs> it sounds so glamorous, but it really isn't. Um, well, look, and, and, I, and did you also have people say, why are you launching a print magazine? The world of print is dying. Totally. Which made me want to do it more. And like I said, I think because I, I knew that there was a resurgence. And, you know, that the independent print world in Europe and in the States um, was very different to what it was in Australia. And I think that's obviously mm. to do with our population, right? Yeah. But um, so I knew that there was something in the fact that there was a resurgence going on, you know, outside of Australia. And a lot of people just said it won't work and called me very brave but I guess there's something in being naive isn't there that you know things that you don't know you just step into but the idea of um distribution of a magazine in the in the channels in the mainstream channels of putting out um into news agencies and selling through that um through that model 
did not work. It did not work because you had to print really high volumes and to print really high volumes, you needed advertising. But not only that, from an ethical point of view, you know, 60% goes to the distributor and 30% of that goes to the the, the seller. And so you're kind of left with 40%, which isn't very much means you need advertising so it kept kind of going back down to this advertising model but more importantly you know 40 percent of most magazines are pulped so you you know you 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 make 20,000 copies you distribute them out into the world in Australia anyway in bundles and only 40 percent really the majority of them sell and the rest are pulped and so this made absolutely no sense to me so the first two issues were really about kind of like finding ways that the magazine could exist without advertising. Isn't it sometimes almost more expensive to use because um, recycled products and soy inks and so forth to have to launch a full conscious print mag is more expensive than a, a glossy almost or a weekly magazine. Yes, totally, totally. Particularly if you want to print in Australia. I was... Um, you know, the, the rude awakening into that whole world of print, particularly when you want to keep something local and you want to keep something ethical, you know, for instance, you waste far much more water to produce um, recycled paper than you do plant, planted trees, you know, specifically planted um, trees for paper. So, um, you know, the, the paper is not recycled, it's actually grown for trees. Um, but and, and to also be, uh, you know, stamped as an ethical, you know, prod, product is a whole other level of red tape because, um, you know, you have to prove all these things along the way. And although I was using a printer that was ethical and that was using um, vegetable inks, I couldn't stamp that I was an ethical magazine because he didn't have the stamp you know they didn't have the stamp Mm. so um there were lots of you know i didn't want to compromise on on the ethics of it and so really it was it was about how do we how do we create an ethical magazine that was friendly to the earth in this current climate that was produced locally and with no advertising um was where i was getting at so yeah it was it was challenging I love that story, though, because um, I mean, the, actually, the, the the what I really wanted you to also talk about is the fact that art mirrors life, right? And so this is a notion that's um, celebrated with the magazine, and it's almost like the struggle of birthing this this product, this magazine, reflects the struggle that humanity is almost going through with um, being conscious being ecological and, and uh, living in a way that's um, more aware. So how does that, would you, can you draw a parallel between this mirroring of life with your, your baby, <laughs> Yoke? Yes, totally. There's lots of parallels. My inquiry in seeking into what well-being and wellness look like was really where it all started, you know. Um, and... I think the plant that the seed for yoke was planted maybe you know two decades ago where I was going through my own transformation ill health. Mm. Um, I left the corporate world and I delved more deeply into yoga and, and living a yogic life and, and getting myself well. 
And on this journey, I learned a lot, you know, but I also truly discovered how interconnected everything on this planet is. And I guess this is kind of the synergy of like, you know, what we put out into the world and what we get back. But um, in short, I was diagnosed at 18 with endometriosis, you know, which is a condition that um, has no cure and sadly worsens with age. It's an inflammatory disease, basically, for those that don't know. It's, it's, it's when the lining of the uterus is on the outside rather than the inside and the endometrial tissue, you know, grows and attaches itself to places that it shouldn't, uh, like your bowel, and sometimes as far travelling as your lung. So it causes tremendous pelvic pain and heavy bleeding during menstruation and many side effects like anemia. So... I guess in many ways I felt like I was a lucky one because I was diagnosed early because lots of women aren't. And so my spiritual journey really started almost 30 years ago in, in my speculation of what my life would look like, you know, with full vitality instead of chronic pain and, yeah. and debilitating fatigue. Although now I can see this as a gift, you know, as, as I think pain was the doorway for me learning how to become truly present and grounded. You know, I had to learn how to find joy and more importantly, self-love. Yeah. And pain became my way into finding my divinity and radically loving myself. You know, it sounds crazy, but it, it really was that. And so pain kind of became my way of healing by not just being in the pain body, but looking at how my pain was felt. And this led me to a place over time, of course, of truly recognizing that pain is our shared humanity, you know? Yeah. And through this shared humanity was this compassion and this connection to others in the natural world. And basically pain taught me how to see differently, taught me how to see clearly. And probably most profoundly, the teaching was that I, discovered that I could hold pain and joy simultaneously. Because when you're experiencing pain, you're almost angry and dark all the time, <laughs> you know? And I used to think that maybe I just came out darker than most, I'm not sure. But I remember looking in the mirror and wondering where this darkness and anger came from, you know, where this disease came from. And I was almost ashamed um, and I wondered, what I'd done to deserve it all. And I guess through this experience, I recognized the harm that I was causing myself and learning, um, you know, the ramifications of this harm, the ahimsha, if you like, you yeah. know, to oneself. Well, um, were you introduced to yoga around during this period? Exactly, yeah, exactly. Um, and look, you know, I, I played and delved into many different healing modalities and philosophies and practices. And, and really, I give thanks to, I give thanks to the, the modern day science, you know, but also the ancient, the ancient wisdoms of yogic, Vedic wisdoms, mm -hmm. you know, as really yoga became my lifeline. Yoga yeah. and creativity became my lifeline, you know, and knowing what we know now, of course, in terms of, you know, that our emotions are stored in ourselves. Yeah. And that the cause and effect of our thoughts, you know, mm -hmm. of how we manifest the mm -hmm. dis-ease dis in our bodies. Thoughts become things. Yeah. And manifest as yeah. uh, all kinds of things, good and mm -hmm. bad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And of course that everything's connected, you know, also with, with quantum physics. It's crazy how far we've come to understand energy and physics and consciousness and that everything is connected. And that I think we're all learning this more than ever right now, you know. So that seed was planted back then. And I remember reading, you know, through the course of miracles, Marianne Williamson, <laughs> I so desperately wanted to find God and my own divinity. But I remember reading her words, which were, you know, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most brightens us. And I guess that's when I turned to yoga, you know, more deeply. And in time, I recognized how much trauma actually sits in the body and also how much trauma is not ours. You know, it's our parents and our ancestors that we're carrying. So thank you for for sharing your story and connecting the dots back to your magazine. You had this idea for yoga so many years ago when you were experiencing all of these, these different aspects of yourself, really internalizing, but also growing in a different way. And is this something that, that when, when you look at this idea of, of yoga, there's, there's so much beauty, you know, with this idea of seeking to explore um, and that you have this underlying commitment to that, to offer readers. Does that, I guess the question I want to ask you is, does this, does this come from that place, that time where you were exploring and are you still exploring now? Yes, absolutely. I'm still exploring. I think every issue I put out is really my own exploration into what I want to examine further. You know, each issue has a theme. The last issue was on duty and it was an exploration of, you know, what is our moral obligation as humans? You know, what are we, what is our duty on this planet? You know. And so in many ways, yoke is my way of being an activist and it's also my way of being a creative and it's my way of waving the flag of consciousness, you know. I mean, I I wonder why the hell aren't we talking more about ecology as the fundamental to our wellness and, um, you know, and and equality. You know, I, I, I reach for things that I believe mostly in and that which was my medicine, you know, and I guess this was yoga and creativity, which, which you know, became my lifeline in many ways. Um, and still is. It still is. I, I, you know, if I have to think about how I live, I live a yogic and creative life. And in a funny way, when you put that out there, you have no choice but then to live that, you know, because otherwise you're a fraud. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah. so that in itself kind of raises the vibration of just going, this is who I am. And I kind yeah. of trick myself into that, you know. I, I get on the <laughs> yoga mat every day and I get creative every day because that's what I've told everyone I am. And, <laughs> you know, but in a deeper sense, I mean, it really is, it really is how I choose to live my life, you know. Yeah. And I know, I know in some way, because I was totally immersed in living and living a yogic life is that these words from Marianne Williamson were deeply rooted and connected mm-hmm. to the science of yoga. You know, yeah. you, you learn in yoga that to be in touch with all of existence is in fact the meaning of yoga. You know, it's, it's unity. There's no separation. And 
it's the learning of integrating oneself, body, mind, and soul, mm-hmm. and then integrating yourself with your society and then your environment. You know, that's ultimately what yoga is because we are working, we are the workings of one beautiful organism. And I'd love for you to just describe or talk about some of the amazing people that have been featured, uh, the interviews, and and also the photographers that have contributed. You've had people like Michael O'Neill, who um, put out a really beautiful book on yoga several years ago and was made into a documentary that people can see on Netflix. But um, you have great stories. I mean, really uh, fantastic interviews. The magazine's really well written. This is not um, your, it's just not your little pet thing where it's just stories and interests that, that, you know, yes, there's that underlining theme, but you're also seeking out really authentic people to contribute to the magazine. And I love that as well. I never wanted it to just be about my voice. And so we have, um, a collective of many incredible writers from around the world and many, who are entrenched in the world of yoga from many different lineages and others who are experts, you know, in the field of art and artists and spiritual leaders and Mm. culture and environmentalists, you know, so. And film directors. And film directors. Musicians, artists, all kinds of people from all all walks of the arts, all, all walks of life from the world of the arts. Yeah. yeah, and a whole pool of writers, you know. Yeah. And we have guest writers that have, have I've been lucky enough to kind of reel in every issue, like um, the venerable Rabina Curtin, who's an Australian Buddhist nun, but she's quite recognised and writes beautifully, and Reverend Graham Long, who is a pastor and CEO of the Wayside Chapel here in, in Sydney. And so just having their kind of, you know, these spiritual leaders share their words every issue is really is really um an honor and you published one of the episode one of the uh editions in um one of the issues i should say from india right am i wrong in thinking of that or what did you did you do something from india a, a year or so ago you are right but we haven't actually produced that issue yet i spent two years kind of traveling around uh the country and you know interviewing all sorts of different women but we haven't done anything with that yet so ah, that's the divine fit the feminine shift issue that's it okay i'm going to leave it at that then i'm not yeah. going to say, say any more but i did love the fact that you're in india doing that and i thought wow you're like totally doing this magazine from there how how amazing yeah, i know <laughs> india i think gets under your skin doesn't it it's you know it's a place i've been traveling to for a long time and it's- i think I think it's one of those places that I was definitely born, you know, past life stuff over there. I'm not Indian, but I gravitate to it. It's like my home. Mm. Um, And I'm devastated right now that I can't get back there. And, you know, India, I guess, is a place that exists in countless centuries all at once. You know, it's obviously the homeland of yoga and it's profound ancient insight and its wisdom and its artistries are just there you know I mean they're not they're not just there you have to go searching for them and you have to kind of dig a little deeper than most places but they are incredible when you find them you know so I do I do know (laughs) yeah yeah you know I I, I love it as well I, I I have a shared love and 
And I do know that uh, it's not like going, so just sort of landing in Rishikesh or Varanasi and sort of seeing what you see uh, and thinking, oh, this is it. Or, you know, oh, this is where all the hippies go in the north and just sit on the, you know, the, the banks of the Ganga and do whatever. Or, oh, this is where everybody goes to take photos of the burning bodies, right? You have to really explore, get off those mainstream rivers <laughs> they're not streets uh and really try to connect with with people you know it's always a, a good idea if you can if you can um and then go off and and find these other places because that's when these this incredible magic you get introduced to this magic that india holds and being led there something has been you, you however you found yourself in india when you're there i think you either love it or you hate it so um, definitely it's, it's a unique place for sure you know I guess when we think about India we think you know we think dirt we think poverty and it's so much more and I guess that it takes time to uncover yeah you know India's treasures when we talk about this, the practice of yoga and living a yogic life um, it, this is a practice that is not done on the mat it's done completely off the mat it's fully integrated so what does that mean to you? Yoga off the mat. Mm, good question. Because essentially when I think about it, it's how do we bring what we're learning on the mat into our lives to deepen this experience we're having, right? Where something's stirring inside of us on the mat. That's generally where it first happens for most people. We're having an experience in a, in a, in a physical yoga class and maybe no one's ever meditated before, but something's moving within them and they go, wow, I really enjoyed this. It's not what I was expecting. And they come back and they keep going. And they start to explore, they start to seek for more. And then they get to a point where things little by little, things start to shift. You change what you eat, you change your shopping habits, you start shifting and maybe you even change your job or, you know, start becoming aware of the people in your life the friends you have or the places you're going out to, um, the habits you have. And this is not a quick path. This doesn't just happen overnight. This is a process of, you know, over a period of time. But yoga off the mat then extends beyond that to service. How can we show up, as you said, in the community? How can we show up and, and be leaders, be conscious leaders? How can we, you know, it doesn't mean you have to get out there and be an activist or, you know, uh, do this sort of thing. But it's, it's really understanding, I guess, this idea of being committed to consciousness and, and sustainability. I think going back to what you're talking about in terms of um, activism, you know, yoga is that. Yoga is about service. It's about being in the world. It's not actually about the yoga mat. It's not about the asana yeah. practice. It's about the other, other you know, other limbs um, that, you know, and one of them being Seba. And, and I think if we're not doing that, we're not really doing yoga, you know. But I want to read you, I want to read you something um, that Dr. Vandana Shiva, who, who's, who graced us in issue four around duty. And she says, you know, we are separated from nature separation within nature otherwise we would not be ignoring the vibrant ecological cycles of the earth and we wouldn't be in this real climate crises you know and i think when you have women like that 
who are Indian, who really understand yoga as being no separation to nature, you know? And I think that's probably what's so amazing about going back and forth to India is that you really recognize that yoga is an ancient science and, you know, people in India may not be on their mats, but they're living yogic lives, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think while cultures have existed for centuries, you know, we need to realize we are part of Earth's family. And that for me really is the essence of what, you know, what, what consciousness is, is recognizing this connection, you know, and our health and our well-being is totally connected to the well-being of each other and the well-being of our planet. Um, and, and sometimes even the well-being of our ancestors. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, I, and I just think that right now, you know, whether or not we like it or not, every single person on this planet is on an accelerated learning of consciousness. And that to me is why I feel like I need to keep waving the flag of consciousness in a way that makes it very accessible through yoga and creativity you know that to me is is consciousness so tell me um as an extension of that is that what your supper unyoked your series is about because this is a, a type of savor in a sense it's your your service you're bringing people together and i love is it still mostly women or only women dinners that you are doing it started off as women because women are the ones that hear the call, I think. Women are the ones that know that gathering in women's circles, you know, we've been doing for, for millennia. Um, but Supper Unyoked, you know, after such an extraordinary cathartic experience um, in India and in ritual, everyday in ritual, coming back to Sydney is a bit of a culture shock. Mm. So I simply wanted to keep the ritual of being in community. As the dinner table is said to be the new spiritual technology, it made total sense to me to be in community in this way, you know. So we all know that food and community nourishes us and that breaking bread is one of the most sacred things we can do together. So. I simply wanted to be in community in short. So I opened up my home and fit 27 people at a long table for deeper conversation around stuff that mattered most. I guess these suppers were more about creating a space for curiosity and even debate. They weren't about reaching any, any particular resolution. But for the last uh, two years, we've been exploring love, beauty and belonging and mm. inviting in each supper, a notable, sometimes known or not, not known, special guest to speak on those three pillars. Each guest was diverse from, from the CEO of Greenpeace to an Islamic academic, you know. Um, I love that. Mm. And, and they're, they're frequent. These aren't like four times a year. This is, they're, they're often. Yeah, they were, they, were, they were monthly sometimes, you know, as close to monthly as I could get them. So then what are the yoke, the, the suppers unyoked that have been on Instagram? Yeah. Yes. Because you took it to another platform during COVID because people couldn't obviously meet and be together. Yeah, totally. 
and um, so the virtual suppers were called Falling Together and in a crazy way when, you know, we went into lockdown, our social calendars had never been more busy. And I refrained. I refrained for a while to take the suppers online. But in a crazy way, it was my antidote for keeping sane and staying connected and staying in conversation. You know, so I dialed in my inner sanctum again of inspiring humans. And this time I could reach out, you know, to all over the world. So we went from Singapore to India, Bondi Beach. Um, You've got to do a, a breakfast so I can join in America since we're like 12, you know, total opposites. <laughs> yes, yes, let's do that. Let's do it. Let's do it. You know, but Friday nights became this kind of sacred ritual. It, it wasn't planned. You know, I took a bath and I put on my lipstick and a frock that I forgot I had. And I started <laughs> hosting these, these suppers live on Instagram each week for four months. And I guess, you know, we're all learning how to be together in this new norm, mm -hmm. aren't we? You know, of self-isolation and it turned out that there was so much goodness and nourishment that came from these hour-long conversations. And the fact that the ritual was also acknowledging, you know, uh, our traditional owners of the land every week, I would, you know, acknowledge our Indigenous elders. And in many ways, in my own way, I was calling in the ancestors to guide me mm. and guide the conversation. So we had, we had an Australian Buddhist nun, Ayeshe, who runs a charity um, for young Dalite girls in the centre of India and Nagpur mm. um, called Bodhicitta. And we were talking on finding radical compassion, white fragility, and white supremacy. So there were some heavy topics. Um, Reverend Graham Long, who is an ongoing supporter of Yoke, and, um, you know, I've known him for over a decade through my connection with the Wayside Chapel here in Sydney, mm -hmm. and um, where he had many, we've had many, you know, philosophical conversations, and he, he graced us on Good Friday. Um, we also had um, a beautiful woman, uh, Captain Samisha Shankar, who lives in Mumbai, so we dialed her in life. She was once a captain in the Indian Army for like a decade. And wow. then the last decade, she's turned to her healing modalities, you know, the yogic yoga and, and also Indian aesthetics, you know. And so we, we spoke with her and she spoke about meditation and um, spiritual counselling and dance therapy. And they all sounded really interesting. And, and, and I, I often like, I told you, oh, God, I'm in the wrong time zone. <laughs> But so now uh, what, then explain or just tell listeners about the yoke unfringed. Because you've got a lot of, or fringe unyoked, I should say, right? That's what it's called. Fringed, I love that, yes. Yeah. It is actually, yeah, fringe unyoked. Yeah, so well, what, what is that? Because a fringe festival is a, is a festival in Australia, in Sydney, that happens annually. Um, and you got involved to, in, in what capacity? Fringe unyoked became this ongoing collaboration. It was a creative partnership with the Sydney Fringe Festival, which is the largest independent arts festival in New South Wales in Australia. In fact, it celebrated its 10th anniversary last year. Um, oh, yes, I thought yeah. it was longer actually. Okay. Yeah. Um, so in a way, you know, it was a great partnership. 
uh, that made sense as an independent print magazine because mm. we wanted to support independent artists. Yeah. And, and so we united both the artists and the audience for deeper conversation. And we wanted to plant seeds that, you know, inspire us to be in community and to treat creativity and storytelling as our modern day sacred ritual. Mm. That's kind of where it was coming from. And we aim to make each of these events a sacred act and to celebrate creativity and to in and include, you know, some featured artists and yoga teachers and the local writers and the foodies and the art galleries that all appear in the print magazine. So in a way it was, it was bringing our pages to life and it was a natural progression from print and living in a virtual world to, you know, gathering in the flesh. So last year, the last year, um, the 10th anniversary of the City Fringe, Yoke's theme was making room to create and evolve together. And so we designed this um, dedicated creative hub, which was a pop-up magazine where we invited people to come and collaborate in this disused retail space, you know, in the heart of Sydney for the month of the festival. And I guess, you know, I, th I think festivals are fabulous, of course, you know, not just for their alternative allure and their celebration in calling us together to share the good times. But I really felt it was time to also call us together to have deeper conversations and deeper listening. Mm. So that's Fringe Unyoked. Hearing you describe now Fringe Unyoked, the suppers, um, your suppers online, it's, this is, this is your yoga off the mat. This is your saver in a way you could, you could say, right? Because you're giving back to the communities in a really beautiful way and helping support, as you said, that independent people and supporting creativity and helping share that. That's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Have um, you thought of it that way? I mean, have you sat back and gone, my, what's, you know, if someone had to ask you, what's your saver? What would you say? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I show up in communities and kind of do service for different organisations, including the Wayside Chapel. The Wayside Chapel is a organisation, it's quite an, a, a recognised institute. For people who, who don't live in, in Australia, it's, it's pretty famous. I mean, it was started in King's Cross, which was sort of back then considered our red light district. And they've got a little, a little spot down in um, Bondi Beach as well. But it's not a church per se because there's all these other aspects to it. It's got a space, but right? it's really, it's got this community center vibe to it. Cause I remember when we were in high school, we would have to go do community service there and everybody would moan and groan and oh, I went over the cross and go to community service at Wayside Chapel. But then you'd go there and you would learn about the good work that they're doing. And you would see the people who formerly were on the street who now themselves were employees of the Wayside Chapel alongside the volunteers and everyone's just doing amazing work together so it's it's a really special place you've said it all babe it's beautiful i mean my time that i spend there <laughs> what, what, <laughs> i think you just need to keep that one i haven't done it i haven't been there in so long but that's what, I mean. what, what so what do you do there what, what's, you, what's your involvement with the wayside chapel the wayside chapel which is a charity and it's run by the parish mission of the United Church in Australia. And it provides support along with essential services for people experiencing homelessness mm -hmm. and social isolation in Sydney. And they have a chapel and they also have a cafe 
in uh, King's Cross and in Bondi. And so I, I show up each week in the cafe and I um, serve the visitors. Oh. That's what I do. And, um, you know, the cafe is kind of this inner sanctum of the wayside in which, you know, you get to see it all in all its rawness. Yeah. And, um, and as a volunteer there, and I have been a volunteer uh, almost 15 years, it's this place in which I feel really nourished in community. And it sounds crazy because, you know, the, the visitors there are homeless and are struggling, a lot of them with mental illness. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's a really special a really special place in, in, in Sydney. Yeah, beautiful. Nice. So that is definitely a savour. And to have, be doing it for that long, it's, you're, you're doing it from an authentic place of love. It's, you're not just a part-time person. You're like, you're there. Yeah, it's a crazy thing, this. You know, the volunteering piece is like, you think that you're, you're doing them a service, but really what you get back is, is an incredible gift, you know. And when I'm away from the wayside, it's really interesting. I haven't been there for a while now, but when I'm away from the wayside, there is, I don't think about it as, as um, you know, my family, but in many ways, it's kind of like there's, there's obviously something missing because, you know, I show up there every week and, and, I, and, I, and I know most of the visitors and um, I feel very at home there. And so knowing that I haven't been there for quite some time, I think I'm really feeling that that there's something missing from my, from my days, you know? Well, I think there's also that, that yogic aspect of non-judgment. And when you do the volunteering work, especially in a place like Wayside Chapel, we, it, it alters your perception for the better because now you have an understanding of the struggle that a lot of these people are going through and why they are the way they are. And everyone's story is different, but, um, it makes you a better person because you're no longer just walking out the door and judging everyone you see, right? It's like you, you can live more fully with an open heart. And what you're missing is probably that connection, that authenticity, you know, that you don't experience when we're around people in the material world all day, day in, day out, right? Having exchanges constantly in the material with the material aspects of life which sounds like a conundrum because we live completely in the material world everything is is material but um you know what i mean it's more the exchange of maybe superficiality versus um the struggle you know of these people who are being homeless yeah and the struggle's real i mean you know we in here in australia i mean we should be ashamed of how many homeless people there are you know for such a wealthy country um, and for so much space and land, you know. Um, but what you touched on in terms of judgment, I think we're so quick to judge. And when you, when you are having a cup of tea or, you know, having a, or, or serving a cup of tea to somebody and you start a conversation that blows you away, yeah, you're like, wow, you know, these people just because they're homeless doesn't mean they haven't had a, an existence prior to this point in time, you know, totally. a lot of them have are really intelligent and have yeah. had really big lives. Yeah. Um, and also it reminds you of how fragile, you know, we are really and how robust we are, all of that in the one breath and how there's this fine line between sanity and insanity, you know, like you said, that whole, like the physical world of, 
of all the things that we can have don't necessarily make you happy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a special place. So is there anything you'd like to add to this? Because I know originally you had said to me when I asked you to be a guest, I don't want to talk about yoga. (laughs) But I was like, well, you know, that's that's kind of the theme. It's not every episode, but it's really... um, it's, it's so all encompassing of your life and you've created some really beautiful aspects and this brand that have all been offshoots of yoga. And so it, it felt like the right thing to, to ask you about because it's, it really is, you are living a yogic life and you've really brought it into not just your work in print with the magazine or your community work, but also your photography, you know, that you do professionally. Um, and so you have that in all aspects of, of your life. Um, So is there anything you'd like to add? In closing, you know, I want to just say that I think it's so time to ignite our creativity and our imaginations. And I guess this is where yoga comes in, 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 in that we need to find our grace amongst the chaos that we're all in right now, you know. And there are so many incredible humans doing work in the world that really is changing how we see ourselves and how we show up differently, you know, for the greater good, not just for ourselves. And I, and I think living in these times of rapid change at a time, you know, where it's said that we are the most intelligent, we've got to do better. We've got to get our heads together and, and look at ways that we can live in a better world. And that's kind of where yoga and creativity for me really anchor me in that. Thank you. Beautiful. And thank you for making this all come to life in your incredible, generous and knowledgeable and inspiring way and all the humans that you're bringing forth. I mean, they're beautiful. Thank you. So thank you, Cynthia, for today. This was really special. Thank you. Love chatting with you always. And uh, if you'd like to learn more about Yoke Magazine, you can, of course, visit their website, which is yokemagazine.com. And that's spelled Y-O-K-E magazine.com. And you can also follow them on their social handles at uh, Instagram. That's Yoke Mag at Instagram and Yoke Mag M-A-G at Facebook. And uh, again, thank you very, very much. It was so great to chat to you today. Thank you, you beautiful goddess. Have a beautiful day. (laughs)